We're going to go to the Word of the Lord this morning. Service doesn't have to be eternal to be good. So we will go right on to the preaching of the Word. And we're happy again to see all of you. And I thank God for what He's doing in this church. God is so good. And in our city, we have so many things that we can be thankful and give God praise for. One of the things I will thank God for this morning is what I'm going to preach about in the next few moments. And I'm going to be preaching on, I belong to the Master. I belong to the Master. Praise God. And these microphones are going over here, so I won't knock them down. All right, so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to the book of Luke, chapter 4, and verse 18. I thank you for your undivided attention for the next few moments. I belong to the Master. Luke, chapter 4, verse 18, the words of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then one more very short verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Praise God. Now, Lord Jesus, we give you praise and glory and honor. We're thankful for this precious, precious gospel. We're thankful for your love and care for us, and we're thankful for this day. Lord, today, let the presence of God fill our lives and fill our hearts, and your will be done. Father, anything that would hinder people from hearing the gospel, I I ask, O God, and I command that it be bound in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that the peace and presence of God would fill this house. Lord Jesus, in your name, God, let our hearts be stirred toward the Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It was many years ago. It was many years ago that Jesus Christ said, I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And when you see that written in the Word of God, you automatically think poor as in lacking sufficient money to live comfortably. And Jesus said that the good news was preached to those who lacked sufficient money to live comfortably. But the poor in this passage not only includes those who lack sufficient finances. In the original language that the Bible was written in, poor also includes those who 
constantly feel like they need to crouch or cower to hide themselves for fear. Those who are scared of what tomorrow might bring or next week might bring. So the poor who Jesus is anointed to preach to include those who lack sufficient funds to live comfortably and those who battle with feelings of unworthiness and fearfulness. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to you. If you could make it without Christ, you would not have to battle with financial difficulties. You could just handle it all by yourself. You could be like Lonesome Joan in the little children's storybook. I don't need anybody's help. I can do it by myself. But the truth of the matter is, is that you cannot do it by yourself. And I cannot do it by myself. There will come a time, if it hasn't happened already, where you're going to need the higher power of the Lord Jesus. You're going to need him to reach down and and help you. It could be at the death of a loved one, or it could be at a financial crisis, or, or it could be a lot of other things that could happen and do happen in this life. But everybody needs the Lord. If you could make it without Christ, you could live life without fear. Without Christ helping you, you'd just be confident and bold and, and just never having any anxious thoughts. But the truth of the matter is, it's a pretty scary world out there if you're navigating it by yourself. Being a pilot, I remember a, a phrase that was told me by my primary flight instructor. He said, there are old pilots and bold pilots, but no old, bold pilots. And I remembered that. And uh, a few days ago, I did my biennial flight review. And thankfully, I'm not saying this to make myself look good, but the instructor said, you're a very good pilot. I noticed, she said, that you've kept your airspeed at safe levels during this whole review. I looked at her and I said, it's called the fear factor. Because there's another old statement that was told me by my primary flight instructor that said, keep thy airspeed up lest the ground rise up and smite thee. (laughs) And I can tell you that In this life, there are times when there can be fears that assail you. How am I going to make this? How is this all going to work out? What am I going to do? What if, and there's so many what ifs. I'm so glad we have our master Jesus. If you could make it without the Lord Jesus then you would never battle with guilt. You would never feel, oh, wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't done that. 
If you did not need the Lord Jesus, you would never have to worry about low self-esteem. You would just feel confident all the time. But the truth is, without the Lord, there are situations where we're feeling insecure. How many's ever had a troubling dream when you were preparing for a test? And you weren't quite, you didn't feel like you were ready for it. And so the night before the test, you had a troubling dream. Anybody ever have something like that? Or you don't have to tell on yourself if you don't want to. But Psychology 101 says that when you are feeling unprepared for something, sometimes in your dream, you will dream you went to a public meeting undressed. And you're meeting people and you're going, oh, oh, oh. And you're trying to find a place to hide. Well, if you've ever had a dream like that, I will not ask you, although your faces are telling me everything I need to know. <laughs> I will tell you that that is a condition that psychologists say is caused by feeling unprepared for something. And you wake up and you go, oh, thank God, that was just a dream, right? If you did not need the Lord, you would be so confident that you would never have any of those situations. But honestly, without Jesus Christ, to put it as one famous guy said, you're in a heap of trouble. You've got to have the Lord. And here's the real truth of the matter. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 8, the writer says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Everybody is insufficient. Everybody is incapable by themselves. Nobody can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. We all need somebody that's watching over us and, and guiding us and directing us. And as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And the next verse I want to read is in the same chapter, the 23rd verse. And it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it doesn't matter how perfect you are. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So everybody battles with feelings of unworthiness at times. Everyone battles with insecurities at times. And as we face this unknown territory of pandemic and, and people have been going through a, a, a season in our world that we've never navigated before, I am so thankful to tell you that there is an unseen hand that is guiding us. And all we need to do is You'll see me often do this in church and even outside of church. What am I doing? I'm giving praise to God. It's a universal sign of surrender. And how many little children, when they want their mama or daddy, what do they do? So he gets the picture. When I put my hands up, I'm saying, I need you. And I need you right now. Never forget when my, my uh, wife's father was injured in an accident. He was a steel worker and he fell from a swinging scaffold 20 feet onto the asphalt below. When we saw him, 
they had cut a section of his skull out. I don't want to make you sad or anything, but it all has a good ending. And his brain was coming out because they said if they didn't do that, it was going to damage the brain and cause it to hemorrhage. So the brain was outside the skull, a good portion of it. And I remember walking down that hallway with my wife, and we were holding hands, and she might remember this. I imagine she does. I said, honey, it's been good to live for God in the good times. But boy, am I glad we're living for God now. And we walked into that room, and we prayed a simple prayer of faith. And you know what? He recovered. I just can't tell you how many times the Lord has shown that he is such a wonderful shepherd and guide and and friend and counselor and, and someone who walks up and says, hey guy, you're not feeling so great today, are you? Well, I love you. I remember as a child when I gave my heart to the Lord as a small child, somewhere during my teenage years, it was a tough time. All teenagers can attest to that. But I remember that I had this special spot out behind the backyard and into the wood line, and there was a, a huge pile of dirt. It was quite huge. And I would go to that dirt pile and I would climb up on it, and I remember as a boy, when I would sit down, the presence of God would sit down on that dirt pile with me. And I would feel the presence of God and, and tears would begin to course down my face. And I would tell him all about my problems, all about my troubles. And you know, I don't ever remember as a boy going out of that dirt pile, which I only went there when I wanted to talk to God. I don't ever remember a time sitting down on that dirt pile inside the wood line, but what God set down beside me. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Savior. Today, Sunday, October 31st, Jesus really is the answer. He really is. Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, and he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, this is the life that I live now. I live by the faith of him. I just have to live by his faith. I, I couldn't do this. I tried all by myself, and I kept messing it up. So now I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God, his faith, who loved me and gave his life for me. I'm not living for him by my own strength anymore. I tried, and I couldn't do it. I tried to live for him by my own strength. I, I said, I, I will do this, and I will do that, and I won't do this, and I won't do that. And yet I found that the good I would I didn't do. And the evil I said I will never do, I did. So finally I had to throw my hands up in the air and say, that's it. I'm going to have to live for you through your faith. I'm going to have to live for you by your power, by your strength. I, I can't do this by myself. I'm always condemned. I'm always falling short of the mark. So now I, I live by your faith. I, I live by looking at you and, and just letting you live through me. You see, 
I refuse to reject the grace of God. Now listen to me. Everyone needs to try to do their best, but if you're living for God by how well you do, you're going to live most of your time defeated. Because you are frail and I am frail, and we're not going to always live up to our own expectations. I think most of us set a pretty high expectation for ourselves. Matter of fact, I would dare say that most of us are harder on ourselves than we are on others. That what we see in others, we say, oh, God loved them. They didn't know any better. Oh, God helped them. But if you make that mistake, you will kick yourself for a solid week. And I refuse to reject the grace of God. You know, it all boils down to this. I can live for God only by His strength. Only by His power. Only by His anointing. I, I have to give all glory to Him. If you see me accomplish anything, it wasn't me. It was Him doing it through me. I give all the praise to God. Now, if you'll give all the praise to God, you'll do a lot better in being a happier Christian. See, I read this scripture and it really means a lot to me. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely. How many knows what surely means? It's not surely, but surely. It means absolutely. He hath borne our griefs. What? He has borne our griefs. Surely he has. And surely he hath carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But here's the truth of the matter. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. I don't have peace because I did extremely well. I have peace because he did extremely well. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, I thank God for doctors and nurses, and we have several of them. I thank God for all of you. But doctors treat, God heals. And I'll never forget walking into the room of Mr. Herbert York. It was one of my fond recollections. The family had gathered around the bed, and he was getting near the end. His breathing was spaced and laborious, laborious. I walked up the side of the room, the side of the bed. And Brother Bradshaw, my dear old friend who's still living and may be watching this broadcast from Troy, Illinois, walked up the other side of the bed. We just prayed a simple prayer. We didn't do anything. But the master physician walked into the room. And while we were praying, you know, you, you, you see people get better and God touches and they gradually get better. This was not one of those times. This was one of those instant things. I love these Kodak moments. 
We prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. And he went from laborious, slow breathing, with his family gathered around to be with him as he passed, to being instantly healed. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. He had got to the point where he could, it was a huge labor to whisper. Old Brother Bradshaw got down in this 88-year-old man's ear, 88 years old, and said, Mr. York, do you feel the presence of God? Mr. York, who had just been healed, shouted loud enough they could hear him at the nurse's station. He said, I sure do. He went home from the hospital, lived another couple years. I think he might have been 91 when he passed away. But he went home, planted a garden. You know, I'm just telling you that living for God is, is, is not some artificial thing. It may be for some folks. But when you get an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, you talk about a friend who will help you in every situation. And sometimes they can be situations that if you were facing it by yourself, you would surely fail. I don't care how talented you are. But when Jesus Christ walks into the room, the laws of physics change. When Jesus walks into the room, medical science has to bow before him. When Jesus walks into the room, he is able to do a financial miracle like Sister Linda testified to or a physical miracle like Brother Charlie just testified to of his healing from cancer. By the way, he just got prayed for one week ago today. We're not talking about a God who used to do things on the, on the edge of the Sea of Galilee and, and when he walked the, the shores of Galilee and when he went through Nazareth and when he went through Samaria and when he went through Jerusalem, he did miracles. Oh yeah, he did those things. But if you will remember, one of the key verses that we started out reading goes like this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. With his stripes, we are healed. And then verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. See, here's what the devil does. And there's a real God and there's a real devil. The devil says, you know, you're a pretty bad person. You do know that, right? You know, you're not even worthy to be in this church today. You do know that, correct? You, you, You are... You, you are to blame for everything that's ever gone wrong in your life. And Satan uses the cudgel of guilt. First, he will say, why don't you try this? This is really tasty. It's the best fruit in the garden. It'll make you wise. And then when you reach out and you take of that and you partake of it, then he pulls his cudgel, his big whooping stick out from behind him, and he says, and you call yourself a Christian. Boom, boom. You're not a very nice person. You're a bad person. You're an evil person. You're a wicked person. 
And so people walk around feeling less than what they should. But I got news for you. You're not the only one that that happened to. The Bible said all. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everybody has gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You know what? That's what gets us in trouble. When we decide, I think I have a better way. I think I'll do this by myself. Oh boy, you're headed for problems. I was 17. I was hunting in the woods of Jackman. I'd never been in a big woods before. Little spots of woods I'd seen were little pieces of woods surrounded by pasture. No matter how you got lost, you started walking, you'd walk out in about five minutes. And then I went up to Jackman, and if you know anything about the, the great northern woods, I know it's at least three million acres. And I went out in the woods, and after there for a little bit, I said, think I'll take a shortcut back to the camp. Bad thought. I started walking. I never came to the camp. All I saw were trees. And they all started looking very similar to the other ones. And I didn't have a compass. And I couldn't figure out my directions. I was absolutely hopelessly lost. And I remember as a 17-year-old boy being lost for a while in that woods thinking, oh no, I'm going to have to spend the night out here. And a very uncomfortable feeling and fear started rising up in my heart. Hello. I think there are people sitting here right now today that can testify that sometimes life hands out situations that you feel this lump of fear rising up in your throat and you don't want anybody to know you want to say, I've got this. Oh, I am confident. But inside you're shaking like a leaf. Well, I want you to know that that's not something that that is just you. It's, It's all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Here's the good news. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, here's, here's what you need to know today. It is Satan's desire for you to see your own weaknesses, to be constantly evaluating yourself, to constantly be measuring yourself by how good you did today. It is his desire for you to always feel stressed because, well, you're a pretty hard critic of yourself, and so you never quite measure up. And there's a few times where you will, and then most times you don't, and so you spend most of your time not feeling so good about yourself. Satan doesn't want you to understand way down in your soul that Jesus really did die for you. That every person needs that sinless Christ. That everybody, I don't care who they are, how perfect they are, how many good things they've done, they need this Jesus to stand in their stead. You simply could not. You were not capable of 
capable of doing what needed to be done. So Jesus Christ bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. You'd be surprised at how many apostolic people have forgotten this. Oh, sure, we need to do the best we can always. But we need to remember at the end of the day, Jesus paid it all. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He carried that cross for you because he knew you weren't going to be perfect. So he carried the cross that was supposed to be yours and he carried it for you. And he said, this blood is for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He took that whipping, the Bible said, the chastisement for our peace. He was whipped so that we could have peace of mind. He didn't want you going through your day, day after day after day, condemned and feeling condemned and and worried and and stressed out all your life. That is not the lifestyle that Jesus died for you to have. No, he was whipped for your peace. He was beaten for our healing. That's why this church and this pastor still proclaims Jesus Christ is the healer because He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. I still believe that. And so I guess what we ought to do really is praise Jesus more than we've ever praised him before. What, What is it that needs to happen? Perhaps this is the key. Take your eyes off of you and put your eyes on him. Stop talking about yourself, thinking about yourself, and start talking about Jesus and how good he is and what a great savior he is and how compassionate he was to reach down and and how loving he is not to turn us away and what a great dad he is and what a great shepherd he is. The Lord did a great work in the life of my brother Ron. And I think, Ron, you may be with us this morning also from Ozark, Missouri. And I don't think you'd mind me telling. I didn't ask, so I should have. But at one point in my brother's life, he strayed away from God and had become an alcoholic. And it was quite an addiction in his life. He was unable to escape its its hold on his life. But one day the Lord Jesus set him free. And I'm happy to tell you that he's lived many years now free from the bondage of alcoholism. Totally free. And he wrote a song, and I won't try singing it because... I don't remember the melody, but I asked him last night if he would send me the, the lyrics. And I wrote down just a little portion of the lyrics of this song that God gave him 
when he set him free from alcohol. He said, he wrote, Come out of the shadows, step into the light. The Savior is waiting. He's been there through the night. When you think the day is through, there's no one who cares for you. Come out of the shadows, step into the light. I like that. In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, there's a group of 24 elders seen in heaven. I'm going to wrap this up. It's in Revelation 4 and 5, and there's this group of 24 elders seen in heaven, and these 24 elders are representative, they're a representative group of the whole body of the redeemed bride of Christ. And I can give you a Bible study on that, but I won't this morning, but I have one. But it's incredibly important to listen to what the redeemed bride of Christ in heaven are doing and what they're saying and what they're singing. And I got to thinking, you know, we need to be singing the same song that the redeemed who've already made it are singing. We need to be saying what the redeemed that have already been taken on to meet the Lord, what they're saying. And I just want to share with you what this 4 and 12, uh, uh, 24 elders are heard to be saying and singing and doing. And so look here in Revelation 4.10, the 4 and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. So here's this representative body of the redeemed. And it says, they fall down before his throne, and they worship him, and they cast their crowns before the throne. And here's what they're saying, verse 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The loved ones who have gone on, this is the song that's being sung in the presence of the Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Nobody said, oh, look what I did. Look at all the things I accomplished. No, every single one of them are singing this song or saying these words, thou art worthy, O Lord. We need to start thinking about how worthy God is and get your mind off of yourself because the devil's trying to push you down the dirt. But what you need to do is start saying, oh Lord, how worthy you are, how great you are, how precious you are. Let's just try that for a moment. Close your eyes with me and just say some nice nice things to the Lord. Lord, how worthy you are, how precious, oh Lord, thou art worthy, oh Lord. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. But let me hasten, because that's what they're saying. Now look at the song they're singing. The song they're singing is found in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. They're singing this song right now in heaven. You ready for it? They sung a new song. And this is what they're singing. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord. To take the book and to open the seals thereof. 
For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. I'm talking about people who have done great things for God. I'm talking about people that didn't feel so good about themselves. But everybody is singing a single song and they're saying, I'm here to talk about how worthy you are. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. I'm redeemed by the blood. You are worthy. You are worthy. No one's up there singing, oh, I did a great job. Oh, I'm so glad I lived for God and I did this and I did that. And I thank God I wasn't like these other people, but I did. No, you won't hear that song sung in heaven. What you will hear them saying is, thou art worthy. You are slain and you've redeemed us by thy blood. Oh, thank God for the blood that washes whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to come out of the shadows and step into the light. The devil wants you to live in the shadows, but God says, step into the light. Hey, listen to me. You are worthy, Lord. I'm going to sing it. You were slain and you redeemed us by thy blood. And then verse 10 says, and has made us unto our God. You have made us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. How is this possible? Let me tell you how it's possible. A king met a beggar on a lonely road one day. A strange occurrence took place, as you will see. That old beggar fell down on his knees and he cried, Oh, pardon me. I am unworthy in thy presence to be. But the king looked at the beggar and he said, You've been set free. Your sins are all forgiven, and now you're born in royalty. And so that king and that beggar, they walked off arm in arm. You see, that king was Jesus, the king of kings, and that beggar was me. I rejoice in the Lord, redeemed, ransomed, paid, rescued from sin and shame and my own mistakes, past mistakes and failures, insecurities and inadequacy, all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for me on the cross. He truly binds up the brokenhearted. He truly proclaims liberty to the captives. And today Jesus opens the prison door to those who are bound And he says, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Does Jesus make a change in our life? Oh, yes, he does. Should we do the best we can? Oh, yes, we should. Should we try to do what is right and good? Oh, yes, we should. But at the end of the day, I'm going to sing about thou art worthy. Your blood has redeemed me. I couldn't be here no matter how good I was or how hard I tried. But Lord, you were wounded for my transgressions. Bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my peace was upon you. And with your stripes, I am healed. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. When I was a little kid, Mama used to take me to church. 
It's always a good thing. Moms and dads, take your kids to church. You don't want them to turn out to be heathen. Take them to church. Right? Thank you for those amens. This little old lady would get up and our pastor would have her get up and she'd, she'd go to the microphone and every time she had only one testimony and this is what she would say. In her little ancient voice she said "'Twas battered and scarred and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin but he held it up with a smile. One of my bid, good folks, he cried, who'll start the bidding for me? One dollar. One dollar. Do I hear two? Two dollars. Who will make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three? But no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings. He played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was now quiet and low, said, what am I now bid for the old violin as he held it up with its bow? One thousand. One thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who makes it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, we just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, "Twas the touch of the master's hand. And many a life, a man with life out of tune and battered and bruised by sin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin a mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game. He travels on. He's going once. He's going twice. He's going and almost gone, but the master comes. And the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. And I remember her getting up countless times and she had it memorized. And she would say that. And it touched my heart as a small child. Like a babe when it cries for its mother Like a child I was helpless alone Then I met the Master changed 
when he found me a new day broke through all around me been speaking to your hearts he spoke to me this message I hope helps you because it sure helped me now I belong to the master no matter what happens I have the savior he's going to help me I belong to him 
I've repented of my sins. I was baptized in his name. I've received his Holy Spirit. I belong to the Master. I know it's Sunday morning, and you probably have a lot to do. And some of you may be too busy. But if there's someone that just feels God drawing you closer to Him, you might have felt some emotion somewhere during this service, or even right now. That's okay. That's because you have a tender heart to the Lord. I'm going to invite everybody that wants to just to come and stand around the front. Whether you're here for the first time or 1,000th time, it doesn't matter. Everybody's a family here. Come and stand with me just for a moment. For all things were changed when he found me. A new day broke through all around me When he found me, a new day broke through all around me. Oh, for I met the master. Now I Give God a praise that comes from your own heart, your own words. You just praise Him. Jesus, thank you for new life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking my place. Thank you for the cross.